Hello everyone and welcome to episode 15 of Hints for Healing, a podcast where we discuss multidisciplinary work that contributes to the healing of children and young people with refugee experience. I want to acknowledge that I'm recording on the land of the Garingai people and I pay my respects to the traditional custodians of this land, to their ancestors, their elders, past, present and emerging, and I also acknowledge the injustice that they've experienced and continue to experience and I recognise their resilience in the face of this. I'd like to extend a special welcome to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. I'm Nicole Lure, a school liaison officer on the school liaison team at STARTS, which is the New South Wales-based service for the treatment and rehabilitation of torture and trauma survivors. This episode is based on the webinar recording of this year's ISHRA conference that is the International Society for Health and Human Rights. The conference took place online on the 10th of September 2021 and was chaired by START School Liaison Team Leader, Sean Nemorin. The speaker you'll hear from today is psychologist, activist and social arts facilitator, Hector Aristizabal. In his address, Hector, himself a survivor of civil war, trauma and torture, speaks about his work on the Reconectando project in Colombia. This project combines deep ecology, social theatre and ritual to support ex-combatants and victims of Colombia's civil war to heal through their connection to themselves, each other and the earth. The project accompanies the work of the Truth Commission in Colombia. And a warning to our listeners, this recording contains descriptions of sexual violence, torture and other human rights abuses. We we have a, a another very special guest um and you know he's he's the wonderful Hector, um, Hector Aritzabal, um, and Hector is a, a psychologist, a human rights defender, a performance artist from Medellin, Colombia. He leads the organization um, Reconectando in Colombia and has worked with the Colombian Truth and Reconciliation Commission since 2016. His talk today is called The Sacred Territory, using the methodologies of eco-dialogue to open minds to the interrelation and interdependency of nature and humanity. Welcome, Hector. It's good to see you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I just realized there's a lot of light behind me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm very impressed with the the presentations that I heard. Um, I don't have a presentation, but I want to talk to you about the more of an experience that we are having here in Colombia through Reconectando and, um, and introduce the importance that uh, the, the organization is planning to, to come to Colombia and to hopefully bring all this wisdom from other places and that we can exchange what Dr. David was talking about, the indigenous wisdom and the indigenous ways of knowing and, and practicing and action with uh, this other West, more Western influence uh, 
ways of, of doing things, of addressing mental health and human rights. And specifically with Reconectando, we are very interested in the rights of nature. Uh, although it's a weird way to, to look at nature from our anthropocentric um, views uh, on, on life and the world. So I'm very happy to hear about the interest in indigenous wisdom and the interest in learning uh, and, uh, and creating allyships with, with indigenous wisdom. So I will try to, to present the, this through the, the work that we're doing with Reconectando. Reconectando is a project that we um, created to accompany the work of the Truth Commission. Uh, this was created with a, a, a small team uh, with Elena Ter Ellen. She's a person from Holland that, or, or the Netherlands who came to Colombia to work with the work that reconnects the, the work that Joanna Macy has developed in the United States and, and many other places. And, and then we uh, found each other. I was coming back from exile. I lived in exile for 28 years in the United States and other places. And, and I was coming back to Colombia inspired by the peace process and the peace agreement that has been signed between the government and, and the guerrilla, the oldest guerrilla group in the world, the FARC guerrilla. And, and when I was seeing what was happening in Cuba during the dialogues between the government and the guerrilla, I felt inspired to return to Colombia. I, I was forced into exile uh, when I was 28 years old. So I lived half of my life out of Colombia. And what I realized is that the work that I have been doing in different parts of the world uh, was preparing me somehow to return to Colombia and work with the army who tortured me when I was uh, in, 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 in college, uh, in university. Or, and with paramilitary groups who kill my brother, torture and kill my brother and many of my friends, and with guerrilla people who I felt had betrayed the principles that initially apparently motivated their struggle. But now I'm working exactly with uh, ex-combatants from all these groups and working with victims from all these groups. And what we do with Reconectando is we invite leaders and uh, leaders from different parts of the country to come together with ex-combatants from all the groups and victims from all the groups, uh, including the government army. And we bring them into deep nature. Uh, unfortunately, we, we, in Colombia, we, have, uh, we still have amazing places. Uh, Colombia is the second most biodiverse country in the world, even though we have a very small uh, part of the, the earth but we have 20% of the biodiversity of the world. And this is a paradox that the war kept all these places untapped. Um, and, and because of that, we are still so biodiverse. Another paradox is that the peace talks uh, and the peace agreement, uh, the biggest victim has been the earth, the, uh, the territories, because now the deforestation has increased uh, the, the permits for transnational companies to come and exploit and decapitate our mountains and pollute our paramos, which is the only bio system that produces water, et cetera, et cetera, has increased. But Colombia is becoming aware of the responsibility that we have with the world, with humanity, not only with Colombians, to keep, not only keep these places, but to regenerate these places. So when we come together in Reconectando, 
will not only bring together people that otherwise will not come together uh, as combatants from the different groups that not, not long ago were shooting at each other, but also those as combatants with the victims that they affected. And we bring them together to listen to each other's stories. Uh, so part of the healing are the methodologies that we use from the world that reconnect uh, with social psychology. I use theater I, I, for many years. I use theater to train psychosocial groups in how to work with communities. And we use the indigenous wisdom of the areas where we go to work. So we have sweat lodges, we have console circles, we do, uh, and we design rituals with people uh, that respond to the, the stories that come out of, of the participants. So sometimes we hear a lot about the people who have been killed or the, the people who have been disappeared or the people that were left uh, and buried because we were forced to be displaced or all the things that, that people have to, to leave behind. And we bury them on the soil. We put them on our, on our bodies with uh, clay or whatever. And we put the skin of what has been our lives under war. And then we go into the pristine waters of the rivers that we work nearby. And we ask the river to cleanse, to cleanse this. Because the indigenous wisdom is in all of us, is in our bones. The, the need for ritual as human beings uh, is in all of us, the, the, the knowledge about it. What we do is we conjure imagination and we design rituals with the people who are in the, in the place uh, to, to heal ourselves. We're very aware that as Colombians, and I think this is true about Canada and about the United States and about Australia and about every, almost everywhere else in the world, we have been born into a matrix of collective trauma. And here, this trauma is not only connected to our recent past, this trauma is happening today. So how do we heal together? Which is what ritual space does. Ritual space is the place where humanity has been healing before psychiatry, before psychology, Small, we, we, we have like 120 years of psycho, psychotherapy, but only now we talk about ecotherapy, eco-psychology. Only now we're trying to go back and look at other ways of knowing and other ways of healing that had accompanied us for years, for, since, since the, the dawn of humanity. And so in Reconectando, we reconnect to that knowledge. We reconnect to each other, we reconnect to our own nature, to our own soul, and we reconnect to nature. Um, we, we go from the anthropocentric to the more biocentric or ecocentric world where we know we're part of nature. We know our bodies are nature. And, and, and then we work with that to, to heal ourselves, to heal each other. And, and I, I, I love some of the things that I was listening to because I feel that the work that we do is mostly to heal ourselves, but we heal ourselves with others. And, and so it's not that I'm, I'm coming here with my knowledge and my healing to help you heal or, or, or to tell you how to heal. Uh, no, we are constantly trying to heal ourselves. We heal with each other. And as we heal, we help heal the humanity. I feel that COVID, and, and it was mentioned uh, when I came in, the vaccination efforts, et cetera. I, we're not going to discuss that right now, but, but it's a very interesting that all of a sudden virus, viruses that have been with us for centuries 
has been with us since we have become humans uh, is part of, of our uh, biology. Uh, all of a time, one virus becomes the enemy, number one enemy of the world. Uh, and, but somehow this has been an invitation to humanity to wake up to what we're doing to ourselves, to our own ecosystem, to our own, uh, to, to nature, how we have degraded nature, degraded uh, our food supplies, degraded our organism. And now the chemical industry is telling us that they are the only way for us to be safe. It is not true, it has never been true. And is I, I think we are in a struggle to rediscover who we are and to rediscover how to go back to nature, how to go back to what here the, the indigenous communities call the el buen vivir, the good life, the good thinking, the good feeling, the good connection uh, uh, with nature. Part of all of this is what we embrace uh, in, the, in, this, um, in this project of Reconectando. And we have been putting this at the service of the, of the Truth Commission. The Truth Commission has several uh, mandates. One is to clarify what happened to us. And not only what happened to us, but why did it happen? Why we have been killing each other for so many years. Uh, also to create conditions for living together. How can we create packs of, of living together with communities? And the, the last one is the no repetition. For me, the no repetition has to do with us being able to heal. Because if we don't heal, we kill. The psyche, not only the individual psyche, has the tendency for repetition. If we don't heal, we, we continue recreating the conditions for healing. And if the healing doesn't happen, we repeat it ourselves. And I feel that that's also true of communities in, in, in this, what we call now the, the collective trauma. So we are very in, interested in finding collective ways of healing. Yes, it is very important that we continue developing psychotherapy. It is very important that we help individuals, but it's not enough. And part of that is that we need to return to the, to the healing ways of the group, the healing ways of the community, and the healing ways of nature. Because nature is still our biggest ally, our uh, most ancient teacher, and our most ancient uh, healer. So, Finally, I would love to, to mention uh, one of the other projects. The Truth Commission is coming to, to its end, and we're going to have a report, a report that already has enemies all over the place. We, the report has not come out, and we already have books and, and articles uh, criticizing it. <laughs> you know, the, the commissioner had not finished writing it, and there are already books about how bad it is. Uh, but because it's, it, there are so many people interested in continuing with the war because the work has benefited a very small percentage of the population in Colombia, in the United States, in Canada, everywhere else. Um, but what we feel is, is very important to accompany that report, to help us as a society metabolize that report. And I feel that what ISHR is trying to do is to bring ways to Colombia of how this has happened in other places to help us uh, to help us deal with the horrors of this report. Right now, I'm working with, um, for example, I'm working with communities that suffer massacres, massacres committed by the guerrilla, massacres committed by the paramilitaries, massacres committed by the army. And we are working on the recognition of those massacres. 
And it's amazing how people that 20 years ago suffered a massacre, lost their fathers, their mothers, their sons, their daughters, etc., now are able to face the people who represent this organization and tell them, look, this is what you did to me. When I was five years old, you came, knock at my door. My father and I opened the door. There were two bags and you asked us to look if it was her. And what we found inside was our my mother cut in pieces. And not only you cut her in pieces and forced us to look at her, then you took the bags and left. You didn't even allow us to bury her. And now we ask you, why? Why did you do that? Why such cruelty? So for people to be able to do things like this, this is just one example of atrocities that I have been listening to for the last three months. And, and for, the, for the people who belong to the organizations that committed those crimes during the war, who thought that they were bigger than God, who dehumanized themselves, dehumanizing others, to be able to say, listen, we don't have an answer. We, we, that has no justification. There is no response. There is no logical reason why we did that, why our organization did that. And we are sorry for that. And we apologize. And to start that process, which is a long process of reconciliation, of healing each other, because none of these people who suffer the atrocities of war, I have heard said, look, and what all I want is for you to suffer the same. None of them. All of them said, uh, I want you to stop this. I want you to acknowledge this. I want you to see the consequences of what you did to us, to our family, to our communities, to the territory, because they also talk about the territory, what happened to the rivers that became the places where the bodies were thrown, what happened to the, to the, 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 the rivers that were collapsed also to, to make the big dams, etc. They said, all we want is for this to stop. We want to learn to live in peace. And that's a big task for all of us. And part of living in peace is that we need to heal. But we not only need to heal the human soul, we need to heal our connection to the earth. We need to heal that separation that began 600 years ago with, with the enlightenment, when we all became logical thinkers, and when we thought that we could dominate the world and dominate nature, when we stop seeing the earth as a living being and transform it into a planet, into a planet, into a thing that we could exploit and find its secrets and make made it the, uh, the, the medio ambiente that which surrounds us. No, it's a living being that is constantly talking to us, that is constantly interested in life, that is constantly teaching us and indigenous wisdom is, I'm, I'm very happy is coming back and we are paying attention and we can perhaps heal uh, with each other. I'm going to leave it there so maybe we have time. I don't know if we have time for conversation and discussion, but, but I'm very happy and, and honored that, that ISR, ISHRR is planning to come to Colombia, is planning to come to Medellin uh, because we urgently need the help of the world. We need your experience uh, in so many other places. Um, and so we can heal each other. And we can also, we want to share these experiences uh, that we are having as part of the peace process. Tells. But I, 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 unfortunately, I came late because I was on territory and I couldn't listen to all the wonderful presentation. I, I heard a little bit of Cecile, uh, Dr. Cecile and, and David. Uh, 
but let, let's see if we have uh, questions for each other and and especially how do you see yourselves coming to to this country that has been so wounded coming with your experiences from other parts of the world and and bringing something to to enter into dialogue and and collaborate with each other on this process of healing so i, I guess let's see who has questions for who and 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 listen to each other <laughs> i do have a, a question for you Hector. so thanks for the the wonderful sharing uh, and you know in Colombia you kind of explained it very well how uh, weaving in peace is uh, difficult and long and uh, yes a very kind of uh, it's a lifelong project now I clinically presently uh, I'm working with the other part. I'm working with hate. I'm working with people who who have long actor uh, long actor profile. So with people who are so despaired, so distraught, so uh, angry towards the society, toward the fact that they they haven't been brought the way they should have been. They adults haven't been fair to them, and they've kind of. Uh, uh, Grown up in uh, in this very scary individual who think that uh, the only thing that remains and kind of makes them exist is, is evil. And so what I wonder, so that's my question. In, uh, you've brought and you've shown the, in the video, and, and this is very important, all the people who kind of want to step out of hate, want to step toward reconciliation, want to to work together at peace. Uh, how, how do you deal with the others who are suffering too? They're, they're kind of torn. It's, it's also terrible to be inhabited by hate and despair. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Well, uh, of course, I do not have the answers, <laughs> but I, I guess I first of all, I can share my own experience. I was one of those individuals. I was tortured when I was 22 uh, by the army and they had nothing on me. They just because I was a university student, that was enough for them to electrocute me, to beat me up. They didn't kill me because during the week of presidential elections. So it was a juncture that I survived where many didn't. So I hated for many years. I hated everyone in uniform, not only military people, but doctors who wear uniform. I hated them. Curas, priests. I distrust anyone who I felt was not authentic. And but of course, hatred is a poison that we take, thinking that it's going to hurt somebody else. And once you start realizing that, in my case, what helped me. Uh, exercise somehow that was my love for art and my love for women. It's that I, I prefer to love and to create than to hate. So my hatred was in my imagination. My hatred was in my fantasy, in my theater, in my plays, in my poems, uh, in my therapy. Uh, and then my entire life, I was learning how to transmute that hatred, that anger, uh, which the anger has some kind of the desire for justice. So to understand that 
And through love and through theater, in my case, and through many ways of healing, psycho psychoanalysis, and actually what helped me the most was doing Vipassana uh, meditation and then working with indigenous uh, plants, medicinal plants, ayahuasca and, and these things, allow me to see the nightmare that I live in and transform it. I, I do feel that psychotherapy has a tendency to pathologize life. Every human being, it doesn't matter what we go through, we're not victims. We're not victims. Our job is to make sense of it. That's what humans do. And it seems to me that in the wound is the medicine because the place where we are most wounded is the place where our gifts are, where our medicine is. It's not what happened to you. And that's why not everybody gets traumatized by a massacre. Yes, we all get shocked, but not everybody gets traumatized or gets traumatized because it was rape or because it was torture or because there was a horrible natural disaster. Not all of us get traumatized. What happens to the person who gets traumatized and then gets frozen on fear or hatred or uncertainty, which our work, what our work does is how to liberate that energy, that libido, that living energy that is there, collapse in the past, integrate the past. So we're not victims, we become authors of our lives. And we own that which happened to us regardless of what it was. And then we transform the world from that because it connects us to our gifts, to our medicine, as the Native Americans said it. And this is in all cultures, you know, the, the, the fact that all humans come to the world to bring gifts. But in capitalism, we're all thought that we've come here empty, like a blank slate and society, university, religion, right on us who we are. So we're always empty trying to consume the world, but it will never fill us. So if we connect to something that is in us through the woundedness, I feel that is a path of possible transformation. But we don't see people as wounded or we don't, we see people as assets. We see people as, as people with gifts and yes, horrible things happen to us and we can use that to awaken to awaken to, to our soul and connect our soul to the soul of the world. Well, lots of things there that, that need to, to be developed, but that's some, something that comes to me right now. So when I transform my hatred, I now work with people who damage me, who hurt me, who hurt my family, my friends, etc., and see the woundedness too. I have not seen, yeah, there are a few perverts in the world, but uh, some of them have been in, in high places in government recently <laughs> throughout history. But, but, but we, yes, we, in general, we, what happens to us can help us awaken to who we are. I don't know, Cecilia, that's, there's some <laughs> the ideas there. I, I totally agree about the, strength and acid part and about what you're saying at the same time and it's it may be me it may be being mm. old it may be being kind of very conscious also about uh well some limit of humans um it's it's not new you know the capacity of humans to uh to hurt themselves to hurt the planet goes back for for centuries uh, we yes. kind of had a role in making Sahara a desert. So it's a very, very, very long time ago. And so 
I don't know. I, I, I have hope and I believe in all what you said. And at the same time, uh, I think, uh, yes, I also feel the limit of our capacity to transform ourselves. Mm. Well, I, and the, the other part of this, I think it was mentioned, is that we, we have to do this in collective. I do believe that it's a collective healing that the world is asking for today. It's not individual healing. It's not enough. And in that collective healing, we hold the space for each other. That's what ritual means. It's a place where we experience things we always needed to experience, but we could not experience alone. So the role of the witness is, is very important. The, the, the group holding you and nature holding you, and, and I will bring nature into this. That's the big uh, healer. Uh, it has always been there. I mean, imagine when people had to face uh, horrible things, horrible things from nature that we could not understand. It was the community that helped and our capacity to symbolize and our capacity to die and be reborn. But we need a witness for that. Uh, and the, the role of ritual, for example, the role of rites of passage. I feel that what we in Reconectando are trying to recreate is a rite of passage for these warriors. That Because you don't stop being a warrior because you gave your weapon that you carry for 30 years and someone took a picture and now you are a citizen. No, no. You need to honor the warrior in you and what happened there and it needs to die so something new can be reborn. So the urgency of ritual, I feel, is very important too. And ritual happens in community. And, but lots of things there, but it will, that would be the beautiful thing about having this encounter so we can have these conversations and, and explore into that. So thank you so much for, for that question. Dave, David, you're raising your hand, yeah? <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Hector. I have uh, sort of a, a related question uh, for uh, anybody or uh, any of the uh, any of the uh, speakers. Uh, it, it seems from from listening to uh, my colleagues, many of us in some ways live in two worlds. Uh, in the the population. In which uh, is the is the sort of uh, the focus of our work, and also in the uh, environment where we work. In that, in in many ways, many of us dialogue within the dominant culture. So I just I'm I'm wanting to uh, uh, to sort of pick your brains, uh, if if I could, about how do you facilitate. Uh, the dialogue uh, between uh, the, the, the population uh, in which you work and the dominant culture context uh, in, in, in which you exist as well uh, in terms of uh, respecting the knowledge uh, and the agency and the wisdom of the, of, of those, uh, of the population uh, that, that is the area of your work and also in, in, in bringing that to the, uh, that tolerance and understanding to the, uh, to the dominant culture. What's your experience with that? I just wanted to sort of throw that out there because I know that's always a challenge uh, for me. I would like to hear if someone wants to address that and Boris or Sean or Cecil. 
Well, I, I will. Uh, well, I, I will just respond very quickly. How do we facilitate getting out of the way? I feel that my main. Uh, I mean, I, I feel that all our training, all our experience, helps us to just stand there, uh, to hold ourselves, so we can let the the larger container and especially the field do what it needs to do, uh, because. I feel that there is a conversation that we are having and there is a conversation that is having us. And in that conversation, I think you mentioned it, are the ancestors. The ancestors are always there. They were the ones who made this meeting. None of us did. I mean, yes, Wing made a lot of things and Sean and Elizabeth, but there is something else that brought us together. And I feel that we are here doing that, that divine task. Uh, so I feel more and more when I sit and circle is that is all my training and experience is to, to help me stay out of the way of what wants to happen, what needs to happen. Yes, our training and our tools and methodologies allow us to maybe uh, throw things to metabolize, to help metabolize, maybe uh, invite for listening. Uh, but the main thing is the deep listening. That's the, the, the main aspect of what we do is not so much what, how we intervene. We have been taught uh, how to intervene all the time. We are the saviors, we are the healers, we are the doctors, we are the experts. Um, no, there's so many other things that are there. And I feel that our expertise hopefully will help us stay out of the way. So, so we are just part of us, of, of something that is happening that is larger than us. Uh, that is doing the healing, nature, the group. Because I tell people, yeah, maybe I would say something interesting or do some kind of interesting activity. Although my activities are all almost stupid, they are all games. I play with games. I am always playing. That's all. My my father once saw me working and said, so after all the philosophies and psychoanalysis and Marxism and all that stuff, you this is what you ended up doing, playing games. I say yes. It's the most interesting thing that I can do with people is. <laughs> is to, to play together and see what happens. And it's a, it's a creative act. Ritual is always a creative act. It's not a repetition. That's right without soul. That's what most of us confuse with ritual, in, in, especially in religion. But no, it's a creative act. It's, the, it's an act of imagination. So our work is how to conjure imagination and is the imagination of the group, is the imagination of nature. But I, I would leave it there so we can listen to other ideas. Thank you. Um, I would just like to say that I just, I'm just so excited about this dialogue um, and where it could go in Medellin a person to person in large in a large room and with lots of uh, lots of digital participants as well. Um, I was reminded when David was talking about allyship of the principle in the Buddhism, the awakening mind. It's the same thing. It is play and the same thing Cecile was also uh, talking about, I think, um, placing the other placing the other, trying to place the other in, in, in the center, aiming to, to raise up the, the, the other or the awakening mind. Yeah.